Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Lillian Kim. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and under the Grain Talk tab at gfo.ca. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. This podcast is sponsored by Pioneer. In this episode of Grain Talk, I speak to Ben Rosser, Albert Tenuta, and Marty Vermey about the recent release Dawn survey and how the current wet weather is impacting cornfields. I will have a conversation with Crosby Devitt, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario. And this week, we spotlight farmer wellness. First, a Grain Talk news update. Grain Farmers of Ontario congratulates the newly appointed Federal Cabinet and the Honourable Marie-Claude Bebeau on her reappointment as Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food. We look forward to continuing our work with Minister Bebeau and the federal government on our key policy issues, business risk management programs that work for more farmers, a low carbon toolbox for grain farmers that helps Canada achieve net zero objectives, and defending existing markets and finding new markets for grains and oilseeds. Grain Farmers of Ontario also offers congratulations to newly appointed Minister of Environment and Climate Change, Stephen Gilbo. We look forward to working on the implementation of a carbon pricing rebate that fosters the economic and environmental sustainability for our farm businesses. Grain Farmers of Ontario, the Ontario Agribusiness Association and Seeds Canada have issued a joint statement to remind farmers and the entire supply chain of the need for stewardship to protect market access and enable access to innovation. This includes adhering to established marketing channels for corn hybrids that have not yet received import approvals in key markets such as the European Union. While the majority, approximately 90% of corn grown in Ontario is used domestically, maintaining and expanding access to export markets for both corn and processed byproducts is vital for the profitable corn value chain. The EU continues to be an important and growing market for Canadian corn, representing 56% of total export sales in 2020. In 2020, seven of the top 10 export markets for Canadian corn were EU member countries. The regulatory status of a seed variety is an important consideration when making seed purchase decisions for the upcoming crop year. Adherence to product stewardship guidelines for non-EU approved varieties are an important step in maintaining market access to export markets. Farmers should contact their seed supplier if they are unaware or unsure of these requirements. Later in the podcast, CEO Crosby Devitt will explain why this joint statement was important to make. Grain Farmers of Ontario is conducting a farmer member survey, and we want to hear from you. The survey helps ensure we are meeting your needs and addressing issues of concern. It helps us deliver programs and services of value and helps us understand more about our farmer members. All farmer members received a survey in the mail with their September issue of the Ontario Grain Farmer magazine. However, if you've lost that paper copy or you just feel like doing it online, we do encourage you to complete the survey online. It's easy to access. Just go to gfo.ca slash survey. If you complete the survey online, you will be entered into our monthly draw for one of two $100 gift cards, your choice from select retailers. You still have a few days to get your name in for the October draw. Keep listening for my conversation about the Dawn survey with Albert Tenuta, Ben Rosser, and Marty Verme. 
Have you heard? Season two of the Pioneer Made to Grow podcast with host Andrew Campbell is back. New topics, trusted industry voices, more expert ag advice. In the latest episode, Andrew welcomes breeder Evelyn Valera Rojas and John Saliga, Pioneer Area Agronomist, to discuss increasing SEN pressure and white mold in soybeans. With the disease spreading to new areas in the province, they offer tips and advice on how you can better protect your crop and your profits. Find the Pioneer Me to Grow podcast with Andrew Campbell wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Season two is just getting started. On this episode of Grain Talk, we'll talk more about the just released 2021 Dawn survey and what the results indicate for this year and ways you can manage Dawn from creating issues in your cornfields. Also, the recent wet weather has farmer members maximizing each non-rainy day that comes our way. We'll talk more about the fall weather delays and considerations for fall field operations. Joining us today for this very timely chat is Ben Rosser. Ben is a corn specialist from the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs. Glad to have you join us, Ben. Glad to be here. Also part of our discussion panel today is Albert Tenuta. Albert is a field crop plant pathologist with OMAFRA. Good to have you with us again today, Albert. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And a welcome to Grain Farmers of Ontario's senior agronomist, Marty Vermeil, who has been actively involved with the issue of Dawn, as well as others to keep our farmer members informed. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Many farmer members will recall the Dawn outbreak of 2018, but before we go into more detail about what has happened since then and what the latest results revealed, Albert, can you please give us a bit of background on what Dawn is and how did it end up in Ontario? Dawn is a mycotoxin uh, that's produced by Gibralizia or Fusarium graminearum. It's also uh, many of you know many of the listeners here would know it from wheat and Fusarium head blight and that. So it's a byproduct or a, uh, of of the infection process of this particular fungus on both corn and wheat. And you know not only from a quality yield standpoint, um, definitely there is the impact on marketability. And that's what we saw in 2018, where we saw substantial um, dawn um, issues in, in, in the Ontario corn crop. And a lot of that is the result of you know, the, the perfect environmental conditions that uh, occurred during that uh, time frame in 2018, very similar to some of what we saw this year as well in terms of, you know, those, those wet conditions, humidity, um, you know, wet foggy conditions, moist conditions, and then also, um, you know, potential for delayed harvest, slow dry down. All of those uh, factors can definitely contribute to both uh, the, the disease um, infection as well as dawn uh, production. Ben, what is the Dawn survey and why was it so important to have one done and what did the results reveal? So uh, every fall since 2011, we've done an annual survey and uh, kind of the idea is to give a bit of a heads up before harvest timing, before combines really start to roll uh, in terms of, you know, what's out there in, in regards to Dawn. So we try to go across the province and get a smattering of corn samples across most of the corn growing parts of uh, Southern, Central and Eastern Ontario. And uh, there's a lot of cooperation with industry to help collect those samples. We usually shoot for about 200 samples per year. And again, we wanna get there before things are really rolling. So typically depends on the year, but typically we're starting 
maybe those last 10 days of September uh, into early October to get results uh, turned around um, before, you know, a lot of crop has really started to be harvested. And yeah, the real purpose of it, I think, is to give a heads up uh, for those years where, uh, where dawn might be more of an issue. Again, going back to some, uh, you know, previous, previous years with high levels like 2006, there really wasn't much of a heads up at that point. So that's kind of what spurred the need for, you know, we should be proactive and at least get an idea of what's going on out there uh, before growers are actually going and harvesting and before corn's, uh, you know, hitting the supply chain. Would you say it was good news from the survey results? Yeah, so I think given the year, uh, when we res- when we analyzed our results or submitted them to the lab and got results back, uh, they kind of came down to what our long-term average is for these past 10 years. So certainly going back in the summer, I think Albert will probably talk more about this. There was a lot of concern. We could see higher levels given the rainfall we were getting in July. Um, but the nice thing was when we got our results back, you know, uh, 89% of the samples are less than 2 ppm, which is pretty much our long-term average for the past uh 10 or 11 surveys we've done since 2011. Uh, 10% of those samples were between two and five ppm. And uh, we only had two samples that were over five ppm. So again, this would fall pretty much in line with what we would expect from long-term averages. You know, the majority of the crop levels are are pretty low. Um, There is some elevated levels out there, which isn't unusual for most years in Ontario. Uh, And then only the odd sample out there that tested, uh, you know, higher, like over five ppm. So yeah. I think uh, given what things could have turned into, given the weather we had in July, uh, I think certainly it's a good news story for, uh, for this fall. What factors influence the lack of development of Dawn in certain areas? Ben mentioned there, you know, difference between uh, this year and say 2018, there was concern earlier on in the summer and, you know, the three of us had many discussions as we rolled into July and as we started seeing some of those significant rain events, you know, four or five, six inches and uh, prolonged rain events through, through great part, a lot of the areas in southwestern Ontario. And it's also important to remember that when we think of you know, um, dawn or, or other diseases, and we start thinking of the elevated numbers or epidemics as we often refer to them. When it occurs for gibberella uh, or fusarium dawn in this instance, you know, we, we think of a, a wide geographical area starts to contribute to, to those significant years such as 2018, where we start seeing not only the extreme Southwest, but we start getting in that, you know, London, Oxford, Huron, Perth, we start getting that that Southern Ontario or Southwestern Ontario region uh, being hit hard. And that's when we start seeing whether it's corn or wheat, um, those those significant impacts on, on the marketability of the crop. And, you know, 2021, this past summer, we started seeing, you know, uh, if we looked at uh, rainfall uh, through through July, and uh, and that is quite comparable to to what we saw in 2018, where we were, you know, up to 60, 80 percent above or higher uh, rainfall events for for July. For this past year, we had substantial above average uh, rainfall through uh, the north shore of uh, Lake Erie, right into that that area of concern, that London and London North area as well. Um, so going into, you know, going into August and that there was uh, considerable, you know, going into silking. And that's the other important aspect here is when we talk about infection, it's silk channel infection that often will drive our epidemics. So 2018, although there are secondary 
uh, you know, western bean cutworm, uh, bird feeding, uh, et cetera, that can contribute to our, our infection and dawn levels. Uh, the, when we have these epidemic issues, it's, it's truly um, silk channel infection where the fungus infects through the silks and, and ends up uh, uh, then infecting the cob and, and the kernels eventually as well. But fortunately for 2021, we started seeing both a, a drier um, pattern for, for most of that area. Again, we had some areas, you know, where I am in the, in the Rodney uh, Ridgetown area and into, you know, that, that South Lambton, Middlesex, uh, North Shore again, that was elevated for, for rainfall. But one of the, the key drivers between this year and 2018 is temperature. And we started seeing those elevated uh, temperatures from, from soaking on that were in the, you know, the 30 plus Celsius. And then, you know, with relative humidity, we were talking up to, you know, over 100 degrees Fahrenheit in some cases or upper 90s. And that really slowed down um, the infection process and, and, and helped us considerably as well. What should farmer members look out for in the next while? At this time of year, as we plan for 2022, take into consideration those areas that could help you reduce your, your gibberella and, and potential dawn uh, impact in corn. Um, I think after 2018, um, it is, you know, it isn't one of the, it is one of the top indicators or factors that are considered as you plan for, for the future year as well. So it's always something to, to plan, uh, definitely. I don't know, Marty, what's your thoughts? Yeah, if, if I was going to say, um, I, I think when you look back and you know, Fusarium has been around for a long time and it's in our soils and it's always been here. We've always been kind of battling it. And it all depends on the environment. That's what Albert was kind of saying before too. And in the future, it's going to be the same thing. And I remember decades ago in pork production, we had so many issues with livestock with prolapses and, and issues with farm. It wasn't every year, uh, but every once in a while you get hit and uh, you had to manage and work through it. Um, now we know so much more information and we know a lot of things kind of going on and it's really about trying to trying to forecast it. And actually one of the tools that we're, we're working on together and cooperating with is uh, a forecasting tool. Uh, just like with, uh, uh, with Dawn in, in winter wheat, we would really like to have one in, in corn as well. And it's really taking in, you know, moisture and, and taking in temperature. And now, as Albert mentioned, it is a critical temperature period that really makes or breaks it. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds in the future. I think we can maybe manage it better in the future. Uh, just like from 2018, there's been so many new things driving towards helping to manage. I, I think this year I've seen a lot more farmers that were, you know, being very proactive in, in managing this disease earlier on and trying to uh, manage it during the silk channel and, and doing some applications of fungicide to prevent any uh, disease growth at that time. So there's a lot more farmers that are aware of it and are managing it. I think we can better handle it, but every year is going to be a, a new and different challenge. Yeah, Marty brings up a good point. You know, the environmental side is is key to this disease as well as others. You know, whether it's Fusarium head blight, white mold, we saw that this year with tar spot and corn as well. Um, so you know, we often talk about inoculum or spores or the presence of the disease. For many of these established or endemic pathogens in Ontario diseases that affect field crops, in many cases, you know the the, the pathogen, the fungus, the spore, that infection uh, 
vehicle is is not the limiting factor, right? There, there's plenty of those. They, you know, whether they land on a, a corn silk or a, a, a soybean flour or or etc. Um, you know, it's the environment around that that often drives whether you're going to get successful infection or not. Or in the case of you know white mold, this year was another one that was very similar. We had those discussions as well in, into July, um, where we started seeing early infection in white mold. Then it got hot. It got drier and it slowed it down and, and stopped it. So that's an important thing to, to remember that, um, you know, from the inoculum loads are not the limiting factor in most cases for, for many of these economically important diseases uh, this year. It's the weather. Hence, you know, be aware of what the conditions are, not only today, but also down the road. You know, look at those two, three week uh, forecast. And, 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 you know, we, as Marty said, we've got more and more models um, that are, are being developed, some established, some in development, but all of those can help uh, plan not only, um, you know, a fungicide uh, decision, but also assess your risk, right? And take in that environmental concerns in there and, and that whole disease triangle side. With the wet weather we've been experiencing this fall, are there any molds we need to be aware of and the issues that they could cause and how can they be managed? Other molds out there, we are seeing some, um, what we would call, you know, trichoderma out there. Um, there are some, you know, penicillin, some green molds. We go by the colors in most cases, right? And so most of the ones that I've been seeing that are not um, gibberella or that classic, you know, red mold that we'll see often at the, at the ear tip working its way down, or um, in this case where we have some Western bean cutworm or other uh, openings or damaged birds to, to the cob in that, um, you know, those, those are probably been the, the two I've seen the most. I have seen some diplodia as well. Diplodia is one that uh, it's actually the opposite of what we see with gibberella. Uh, ear rot is that it uh, it starts on the on the base of the ear and often you'll see that white mold a real plastered thick mold that is uh, uh, developing from the ear shank up into uh, the base of of the cob now the good thing about you know the diplodia we don't really uh, worry about that in terms of molds the same thing goes with with the trichoderma penicillium which is another green um, producing um, pathogen or fungal ear mold here that can produce some ochre toxins and that but again um, that's more of a you know it's it's a low risk for Ontario um, and and that but for us you know the ear molds definitely it, it jib is the big player and that and we've seen some other uh, issues that have occurred on ears that are you know that resemble or are the cause of that favorable environmental conditions where we've seen some sprouting and that on, on some ears under those delayed wet conditions, especially if any uh, lodging and, and that has occurred as well. Yeah, one of the key things are we're probably going to see molds out there, as Albert mentioned, but they don't all produce dawn. And so vomitoxins may, may or may not be present. And unless you, and actually, I've heard of stories before where I didn't think there was any mold on my corn and it tested high. And sometimes you don't even see it and the toxins are there, just the environmental conditions. The key thing is you have to test for it. So I assume that if there's concern, especially for pork production or anybody who's uh, consuming the corn, of course, they're going to be testing for it and, and wondering what the levels are at. And any thoughts on that, Albert, as far as have you, yeah. what you've heard? 
Yeah, well, Marty, that's a great point that you bring up, especially that comment that we often hear, right? And we heard a lot of that. Well, 2018, it was pretty obvious that we were having issues. And, and Ben, you know, the, the the 2018 survey was was a uh, you know sure the purpose of, of the whole survey itself, and that we were able to to note that there was going to be an issue, right? And 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 the survey caught that quite well and, and get the industry, et cetera, moving. But uh, that comment you mentioned, uh, Marty, about you know, well, my ear, you know. I don't see anything on the cop, but it's coming back as, you know, having, you know, two, five parts, et cetera. It's being either downgraded or, or rejected. We, we hear that a lot. Um, you know, don't forget that you can have infection, um, but not see a lot of that visual um, uh, infection there or, or the mold on it. And, but then if you're on the livestock and using it from a, a feed, so you know dairy, hogs, etc., um, especially on the silage side, remember there's not only that that you know the ear that can contribute to um, the the dawn levels in in your in your silage. It's also the plant itself, right? And so remember, you can have ear infection. We have stock rot infection as well. And we've seen that this year now, especially with um, uh, variety uh, hybrids that have been um, you know, mature out there. They've been sitting, we've been getting some rains. We're starting to see some stock failure. We're starting to see some stock rots. Um, those are our key, another contributor to um, some of the, uh, the dawn mycotoxin issues that we'll see on, um, you know, in, for, for dairy producers or silage as well. So something else to consider for sure. Marty, since 2018, what kind of resources have been created or developed to monitor issues like Dawn and to improve testing and other engagement practices to help farmers? Yeah, since 2018, and you know, 2018 was a key year for, for Dawn production, so it affected so many producers across Ontario. Um, there was a group that came together uh, called the Dawn Working Group and, uh, you know, spearheaded a lot of different projects and research and GFO was heavily involved, uh, you know, People before me, of course, uh, that got involved and in, in kind of drove this forward and, and people like Ben and Albert too have been critical and they're part of that committee that, and as well as members from OABA uh, kind of helped to, to monitor this and say, what can we do as a, as a team to work together to try to, to alleviate the high pressure that we have on Dawn and find markets for it, but also, you know, are there things that we can do either in the field or in storage? Um, so, you know, right away it was like looking at grain storage, can we store it and looking at uh, putting them in bags. And we found out that if you put it dry corn, you can, you can stop the continued growth of Dawn, but you've got to make sure it's dry and cool and you've got to monitor that grain. Um, and, and, you know, people ask, is it going to increase in Dawn levels? It shouldn't. We also found out that testing, well, you know, the help with uh, Art uh, Shasmo uh, from the last couple of years, he's retired now, but he's done great work on actual testing um, and really understanding Dawn presence, both in wheat and in corn and testing in the trucks and when deliveries are made, one thing that really affected farmers was, you know, consistency of sampling. A lot of times it was all hit and miss. It was like Russian roulette. You didn't know if you're gonna hit high or low. And we found out that it was really the grind samples. It was a lot of times you're just grinding up a, a small amount of the corn that was taken from the sample. So you didn't have a composite sample. It wasn't well representative from what was extracted. We found out taking four samples from a big truckload with a, with a vacuum, uh, uh, probe it was no no problem at all that was very representative it was really the grinding uh, and lab sampling is okay with the test kits you know there's always a little bit of error but if we take 2 kg sample grind it up and uh, 
have a homogenized sample and then take a subsample from that and test it, you get a lot more consistent results. And that's really what it's about, is trying to know what's going in, what's going out, and how the consistency is. And not hitting, you know, one part per million one day and then five parts per million and then eight parts per million. You wonder what's going on. So uh, a lot of work's been, been done in all that. And also, you know, there's been a lot of work also on, on fungicide applications and how you apply them and which products and you know, Albert's been leading the charge on that, and there's been a lot of great work and collaboration. And I also mentioned about forecasting tools with weather and trying to measure our risk and what our risk level will be through the year. I've, I remember ever since uh, 2018, we'd be getting reporters phoning up. Is it going to be a dawn year, you know, bad dawn year? And they were asking rate of planting time. And, well, we, as we mentioned earlier today, it's all about at the silk channel, um, temperature, humidity, a lot of different factors. We really don't know earlier on. And it really depends on what your weather forecasting models are too. And you need accuracy in that as well. So we've, uh, we've learned a lot since 2018 and we've been passing on lots of information to growers in the industry uh, to help manage this disease. Was there any time there might've been an even greater concern of Dawn and what efforts were made in preparation for it? There's a lot of factors that contribute to our, our Dawn issue and our, our concerns and, and that. And so, you know, there's been a lot of things that, that we have learned um, over the years and in particular since 20, um, 2018 and, and, you know, that whole, that whole, you know, that whole testing side, as, as Marty mentioned, you know, that the test kits, you know, they, they all performed well, right. You know, when we, we did, we tested them, um, you know, our Chasman did a lot of that work and they, they all performed quite well. So that was you know minor error on that side of things. And the sampling again, you know, the sampling became uh, not so much the, the operator side of things, there's are some variability in terms of the protocols and how the tests are, are done, but that was um, you know, a minor contributing to the variability that could occur. The big one was around you know, that, that sampling size and, and, and all of that. And, and one of the, 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 the key outcomes of all of this, besides uh, much of what Marty had um, uh, mentioned is you know, that we've got the working group working together. So again, we're Everybody um, from from the grain farmers of Ontario who drove a lot of this research, a lot of getting people, all of the the stakeholders together, and 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 you know working diligently for the producers to get the funding from you know Mafra and others to 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 move this along. But we've got the industry side in there from Oaba and and the dealers and Omafra um, in there as well, and 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 CCAs and etc. And so. You know, we have that partnership. We're working for new, new tools and uh, new, you, you know, to to figure out how we can minimize future risk as well. And uh, you know, there's the grinder project there too, right? The development of not only the new uh, potential sampling, but the two kilogram samples, the larger uh, collection of those samples, uh, but also how to process those samples quickly so that growers can get in and out and have that variability reduced uh, when it comes to um, the, the, the test results as well. But then a lot of other efforts gone into it from, you know, uh, as, as Marty said, you know, on the fungicide side, you know, we've got wonderful products out there that can help us reduce uh, our, our ear rot and dawn uh, levels. Again, you know, they can only do so much as well on, on their own. And uh, that's a, a key a component we have the timing as we you know with that that silking timing that r1 timing uh, there is important and then you know there's been more and more development um through 
the hybrid side, right? And so again, that partnership with the seed companies uh, coming in there, as well as the both public and private breeding programs, and then the Ontario uh, Corn Committee and the ability to have, uh, you know, this year we brought on two test locations for, for screening, not only the Ridgetown, but now we've got the Huron Research up in Centralia Station there as well. So we're again trying to, to, to increase um, you know, the tools that are available, also trying to make them better as, as well to again, reduce our, our overall risk to, to, um, to not only the impact to the grower in terms of yield, um, and and uh, uh, you know marketing of of the grain itself, but also to the whole system, the grain movement system um, out there in Ontario and as well um, to to our export markets as well. But that hybrid side is a key one, and and you know Ben sits on is the chair of the OCC committee there, and so Ben, what's your thoughts on 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 that side and where we're going? Right now, there's an effort to test hybrids. Obviously, that was an important learning from uh, 2018 and a huge lesson from what happened in the wheat. Like, obviously, wheat uh, used to be, I mean, still is an issue. Something has to be managed. But one of the things that was noticed in the wheat story was that as soon as you could identify those highly susceptible varieties and avoid uh, using them, it really increases the manageability of the issue. So I think that's one direction that we've tried to head towards at the corn side by trying to better get an idea of, you know, what are the susceptibilities of, of some of the hybrids, especially in these areas that are typically uh, worse for Dawn. So yeah, there's uh, those that have been going on. And part of those is there's been a bit of a learning experience in those trials themselves of how you conduct those trials and get reliable ratings. It's not as simple as just putting hybrids out and doing the ratings to come out with a good, uh, valuable, stable uh, assessment. So there's been a bit of a learning curve with uh, with those trials as well. But yeah, certainly an effort that's going on right now with the corn committee, uh, with a lot of support from uh, grain farmers as well as industry as well. Yeah, and those are some good points there, Ben. On that, you know, you know, you don't just put these hybrids out and you get a rating. It is more complicated than that. You know, we, you know, this year. Tar spot was a good example where you know those foliar diseases are pretty easy, right? We can get the disease. You can, if the environment's right, it's pretty easy for that rating side. But you know the jib and dawn has been always, um, you know, oh, it's been it's it's been like the holy grail, and it's been frustrating in in many cases to to to, to move the bar. But I think we're we're moving the bar on on the hybrid side because the issue becomes, you know, there's multiple different um, characteristics or factors that, that make a hybrid either susceptible or more tolerant to it. There's that genetic um, germplasm side of it, you know, those multiple genes that are associated with uh, either silk infection or kernel spread too, right? Once the kernels are infected, it could either limit or it could allow um, further progression uh, or the rate at which the kernels become infected and then the cob, that spread that we see from the ear tip down. Um, but then also just the ear characteristics, right? You know, many growers um, will talk about, you know, the upright ear versus a, a drooping ear, a closed husk, open husk, all of these factors can contribute to infection, but also that environment that's associated with that, with the silks and, and the potential for, for infection. And then again, as we said, uh, insects and all that can contribute as well. But uh, a lot of different avenues that are, are being, uh, looked at and uh, trying to, you know, look at it from, you know, the wheat model side where um, we, you know, in 1996 and 2000 and a few other years where we had similar 
on epidemics, uh, uh, you know, we've, we've, the wheat system has learned or developed a, a system to deal with uh, an integrated fusarium head blight management system that uh, works. And, uh, you know, we've had years where we should have, if it was 20, 30 years ago, we would have had definitely a lot more fusarium head blight in our wheat than what we ended up seeing. And that's a model that uh, we are looking for, for for corn as well. You spoke about fungicide earlier. Are they worth it? What would you recommend? And should farmers source the products early? Well, yeah, so the sourcing of products is an interesting one you bring up because there is, you know, as we saw, you know, this year we had, you know, tar spot is uh, um, a disease that uh, was new to Ontario last year, um, definitely um, a hot topic in 2021. And, uh, and we do have a number of fungicides that uh, are very effective against um, tar spot. Uh, we just harvested our, our plot on um, Friday, um, Thursday, Friday last week. Um, so in uh, preliminary results, um, haven't released it yet, but you know, some of the fungicides were into, you know, 30 to 40 bushels on the plus side um, with just that one application at the, at the, at the fusarium or the jib um, timing, uh, which would be the, the silking timing. And that's something else to, to consider. So we've got those, there's going to be pressure next year on some of these products um, from a, um, availability, um, you know, and, and that, uh, you know, we still have a lot of uh, uh, the, the, the channel is, is under pressure, both from, you know, usage, but also in terms of just, uh, just being able to um, meet the needs there because of production uh, issues, transportation, uh, and, and all of that um, as, as well. Um, so, you know, there, you know, we do have a lot of products that are, are very effective uh, for, for gibberella. They also are effective against foliar leaf diseases, so they can uh, provide us both uh, um, control or reduce our risk to, to both of those. So that's an important piece. The timing, again, um, uh, my concern this year is if we start thinking of, say, a tar spot and, and start thinking about early or later applications and we avoid that R1 window, that silking window that we are, 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 are is key for, um, uh, you know, that, that full silk um, window there for, um, for gibberella is that, uh, you know, we as Ontario and the risk that we can see for gibberella, we have to maintain, if we're going to use a fungicide, we've got to be targeting that that VTR1, that silking stage, to minimize our risk for, um, uh, for gibberella as well. What kind of resources or events can farmer members refer to over the next few months? Yeah, so there's many different uh, resources available to, to help us reduce our risk when it comes to, to Dawn and, and uh, gibberella and, and other diseases or crop production uh, aspects. So I'm, you know, one of the, one of the initiatives I'm involved with and supported through the Grain Farmers of Ontario is, is, is the Crop Protection Network, the Corn Disease Working Group, the Tar, Star, uh, tar Spot Working Group. So a lot of those are, are great um, research and extension uh, groups to, to, to get a lot of this information. And we extend that um, through, you know, through the websites like the cropprotectionnetwork.org uh, website, but also through various extension um, vehicles and and one of the ones that's coming up um, is the Ontario Agricultural Conference that will be coming up uh, January fifth and sixth this year. It is our second one. Again, it's uh, 
in response to you know the COVID situation that we had, where we combined both you know the Ridgetown Southwest Ag Conference, the Eastern Ontario Crop Conference, and then the Guelph uh, Conference into one uh, virtual pro province-wide. Uh, conference uh, last year with over 40 sessions. This year we're going to have 46 different ones, and and session number one is is uh, is on corn. It's uh, uh, what is it? Kernel crazy is the topic, and uh, we've got uh, Dr. Tony Vine who grew up at Ridgetown University of Guelph, uh, professor who's now at Purdue, and our own. Uh, corn guru, uh, Dr. Dave Hooker at Ridgetown. And so again, the, you know, they're going to provide uh, their insights both on from anything related to, to corn and uh, to maximize uh, those uh, yields. And also thinking about, you know, there's that whole other aspect that uh, is out there right now in terms of uh, fertilizer costs, all of those things that can contribute to, uh, to corn production and, and, and the planning for, for 2022. So there's a lot of those going on. There's a, you know, Ben with the OCC trials and the corn hybrid um, you know, should be out, uh, what, beginning of December or so. There's, there's all kinds of other things out there as well, right? Yeah, that's right, Albert. Uh, and another good source is, uh, you know, if you go to the uh, the Dawn survey itself, Albert, you put some links in there to the Crop Protection Network. So a lot of the background information on uh, Gibrell, Erot, and some of the other issues, and Dawn, a lot of those are there. As well as there's also a, a good link there to a video talking about uh, grinding and how to how to take a better sample when you're trying to get an idea what Dawn levels are like as well. Uh, from Dave Hooker and Art Shaftsman too. So certainly some of those resources out there um, that, uh, that a lot of Ontario uh, researchers and extension people and through grain farmers and everybody else have been involved with trying to get information out there as well. Yeah, and one thing we've got to thank, you know, we've, we've mentioned the grain farmers of Ontario, of course, for, for all their support, but also, you know, the Ontario Ag Business Association for um, assisting or being part of the the Don working group there as well, but also all of the elevators and, and members of whether they're Ontario Ag Business Association or certified crop advisors out there that helped us in terms of collecting and uh, you know getting those samples for us from across the province, especially you know with you know some some restrictions or, or less movement around in some cases so it, it it became more complicated over the past couple of years to to get all those samples and and that and we really appreciate their support in that eh, Ben, for sure absolutely yeah there's no way we can do the survey as we do without uh, without help on behalf of grain farmers of ontario we want to thank the work and support that uh, ben and albert you both put towards getting that report done every year and your contributions to it is greatly appreciated by all the farmers in ontario thank you Thank you for sharing your insights. If you would like to view the full 2021 Dawn survey results, please visit fieldcropnews.com. Thank you again to Ben, Albert, and Marty for the great discussion and for being with us today. Joining us for an update on what's been happening with Grain Farmers of Ontario is the CEO of our organization, Crosby Devitt. Thanks for joining us, Crosby. It's great to be here, Rachel. First thing we want to talk about this week is some big news with the federal government. The cabinet swearing-in ceremony took place this week, and Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau is back as the Minister for Agriculture and Agri-Food. Yeah, we welcome Minister Bibeau back into the portfolio. Um, certainly, um, 
she she was the minister before the election and uh you know i guess it wasn't too surprising to see her come back um we do have some key priorities that we're looking for the federal government to address and and really hoping that uh, Minister Bebo can be our advocate on behalf of farmers and agriculture across Canada um, with her cabinet ministers and the prime minister himself. Um, certainly some, some really key issues that need to move forward uh, to, to help agriculture uh, in the future. So does it help to have that continuity? I know some of the other uh, positions did change hands. So having Minister Bebo back must, I guess, be almost be a benefit to us. Yeah, I mean, I, I What's important is that uh, whoever's the minister uh, can understand the issues, and certainly uh, Minister Bebo is, you know, through the last couple of years of being our, our minister, is, is clear and understanding of, of the important issues that farmers are facing. So we, you know, we do look to her to hit the ground running and, uh, and help uh, move some of these key things forward on our behalf. And there is a federal, provincial, territorial meeting of ministers coming up. Yes, that's coming up in a, in a couple of weeks. So uh, it was kind of delayed due to COVID uh, issues and things like that in terms of not being able to meet uh, previously. Uh, but we're, you know, this is a federal ter- provincial territorial meeting where the provincial and territory ag ministers meet with the federal ministers. So uh, share issues that are, you know, in common or of difference across provinces and territories and across the country. So um, you know, we're looking to our provincial minister, uh, Minister Lisa Thompson, to, you know, advocate on behalf of Ontario uh, agriculture, and I'm sure she will, and uh, and strengthen that relationship with the federal government to make sure that those issues that are of joint concern, like business risk management programs, like our carbon uh, approaches and you know, things like the carbon tax, for example, which is, you know, federally driven, but uh, provincial consideration. And then the whole area of trade and markets, um, keeping markets open, whether that's, you know, free trade agreements, but also uh, non-tariff barriers like, you know, MRL limits on pesticides, for example, continues to be a big issue. And so it's got some some uh, implications for trade uh, that we want to see be a priority for the federal government to make sure that we do keep markets around the world open for for uh, grain from Ontario, but also products around from all of Canada. Um, so picking up on that theme of keeping markets open, there was just a joint message issued by Grain Farmers of Ontario, the Ontario Agribusiness Association, and Seeds Canada, basically saying that, you know, farmers need to remember that, um, and, and the entire supply chain actually, uh, need to remember uh, stewardship practices and, and protect our market access, um, just given some differences on regulations around different corn hybrids. So could you maybe explain a little bit about what's in that statement and, and why it was necessary? And maybe also, you know, why a joint statement? Yeah, certainly. So we see grain from Ontario going all parts of the world, right? We are we are very fortunate to have vibrant markets and uh, interest in what we're producing and and buying it and getting it all over the world. One of the things we see uh, is when you look at the European Union, especially, um, sometimes their regulatory regulatory approvals for traits can be slower and more cumbersome than what we see in Ontario or other markets, and so. That's the case in some cases for some corn traits that we have commercialized here in Ontario and that they haven't fully approved the stacks, for example. And so that joint statement is 
important because it's it's signals and it's uh, it's clear from the entire value chain, like you mentioned, from the seed side to the farm side to the grain uh, buyers and handlers and shippers that uh, to ensure the right product gets to the right market, we all have to be aligned. And so really that's the reason for a joint statement. And it's just a reminder and of what's already happening in the marketplace from the seed side, clear identification of what traits and what markets are approved for those to the farmer when they're buying seed. When the farmer's growing, growing the seed and harvesting the grain, they've got a clear message from their grain buyers or uh, communication about, hey, if it's going to a certain market that doesn't want this trait, uh, make sure you stream it accordingly. And so it's, it's more of a reminder message uh, and a continuation of discussions we've been having over the last couple, couple of years to make sure that full transparency and good information flow uh, works. Basically, to make sure that uh, whatever our buyers are looking for, they get it. And uh, whether that's the traits they want or the traits they don't want. And uh, we've got a, a history of a really good system here in, in grain handling and streaming. You know, when you look at things like our food grade and IP soybean business, uh, that's a huge success. Um, there's different versions of identity preservation. And that's uh, really just a message to say, uh, make sure we know what we're doing here, uh, protect our markets, keep them open, uh, keep the customer satisfied. And it's very timely because, you know, as the statement notes, harvest activities are underway right now. And typically farmers start to think about, oh, how well did what I plan to do this year and, and start thinking about plans for next year, of course. Right. So, you know, on that note of harvest, have you heard how things have been going? I, I know here in the Niagara region, we've had a lot of wet weather that sort of held up the ability to get into the fields. What kind of a sense have you been getting? Yeah, most of the province is wet uh, and uh, harvest is very slow right now. So uh, we started out with a fairly early maturing crop, which was very positive. You know, we had a you know a lot of heat this summer, which brought the crop on. Um, but there's a, a, you know, it's really slow getting getting the soybeans off and the corn crop off. So we're going to see a big month in November of harvest, I hope. And uh, let's hope it doesn't uh, rain every other day like it seems <laughs> to have been uh, in most parts of the province uh, lately, um, that we can we can get a nice stretch in November. I was talking to some farmers here this week about it. And, you know, November is the kind of month where you can have some absolutely beautiful weather um, but you can also have snowstorms. And so we're hoping for the beautiful side and then the snowstorms can come later on. Thanks very much for taking the time to chat with us today, Crosby. We appreciate the update and, and here's hoping for a couple of weeks of dry weather. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Great speaking with you. This Green Talk podcast is brought to you by Pioneer. Season two of the Pioneer Major Grow podcast is in full swing. Tune in as host Andrew Campbell and his trusted guests cover the latest industry news, ag innovations, tips, tricks, and more. Topics covered this year include how the agricultural industry can improve government relations, increasing SCN pressure and white mold in soybeans, the Enlist Weed Control System, and how Pioneer brand BMR corn silage can boost milk production in your cows. Great topics, trusted industry voices, more expert ag advice. Find the Pioneer Major Grow podcast with Andrew Campbell wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Season two is on now.
Grain Farmers of Ontario is committed to farmer wellness. While eliminating stress may not be realistic, there are management strategies that can be employed to reduce and relieve it. In addition to seeking guidance from health professionals, farmers can learn from each other. Today, we hear from one farmer member about how he handles stress during the busy harvest season. Well, I'm Justin Bell. I farm just outside of Peterborough here and a little bit of land outside of Chatham still. I uh, run about just shy of 500 acres in total and milk about 40 head of cows too. A little bit of, I guess, about half of that ground is in organic production and uh, also balance a full-time job in egg banking. Trying to, to manage the extra demand in the field with weather and, and I guess, your regular <laughs> Day-to-day -day tasks uh, can can get pretty overwhelming. Um, yeah, especially this fall, we've had nothing but rain. Um, and then still, I guess on top of that, trying to get some field work done and, and get things prepared and ready for spring too can always be a challenge. For me, it's it's really sticking to some of those routines that, that <laughs> keep me sane personally. Um, a lot of times, yeah, milking can, can get in the way or, or take up quite a bit of time out of a day just doing regular chores, but... But having that routine can kind of help, you know, disconnect your brain from, from the new the new tasks and stress and, and just kind of bring it back to normal. Um, you know, even other things like, you know, taking time to, to have a, a sit-down meal or just removing yourself from, from the situation or, or, you know, the thing that is causing you the most stress uh, really helps. And and also, too, when I get kind of really on, on the wire or, you know, really stressed out. I always find exercise helps. You know, you go for go for a run or go for a walk or, you know, do something that's completely unrelated to, to you know, your job or task at hand can really help to, to recenter things and and help you prioritize uh, what you need to get done and how to do it. I have a I guess a pretty close group of friends that that I talk to on a regular basis. Usually. You know, when I'm I'm driving or I'm in the field or or I'm doing chores, I, I have my headphones in and and I'm having a conversation with somebody that might not even be related to at all. Uh, you know what I'm doing. Uh, for me, that helps a lot. You know, it just kind of puts things back into perspective and helps take your mind off of what busyness might be ahead of you. Or or even at times, you know, talking with some of those friends that that are involved in in agriculture and farming too helps helps you to maybe you know, talks you through some of those difficult times you might be having or something's broken, they might have a better idea how to fix it or how to handle it. And, and relying on that, that group of peers and, and friends, uh, yeah, it really does help help take your mind out of the situation and, and look at it from, you know, a thousand feet above sometimes. I'd say definitely reach out to to maybe close friends or family, people that that maybe you don't even talk about what's going on in your world or, or what's stressing you out. Just you know, have a have a conversation and reach out to those people that might be going through the same thing as you and just say, hey, how are you handling it? What are you doing? And talking through it helps a lot. And, and also uh, uh, just having that, that other connection or, or knowing that you're not alone in what's going on. You can read tips from other farmers in the article Coping with Seasonal Stress posted at OntarioGreenFarmer.ca. And you can access all of Green Farmers of Ontario's farmer wellness resources at GFO.ca. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, 
go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Ben Rosser, Albert Tenuta, Marty Vermey, Crosby Devitt, and Justin Bell. If you like what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.